It is time for another Amateurs Fantasy Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome to the third installment of the NRL Fantasy Amateurs 2023 preseason podcast. And today we are here to talk about the Canterbury Bulldogs with Ryan, as always, and intern Austin. Uh, Ryan, mate, I know you love the Bulldogs. So are you excited? Mate, who doesn't love the doggies? The doggies. Yeah, no, this is... We're, um, we're ready to go, mate. We're, we're jump into the pride of Belmore here. Yep. And I mean, they've done a really good job in the off season and recruited uh, a Panthers assistant coach because that's never failed for them before. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Austin, uh, I know you are particularly uh, optimistic about the Bulldogs this year or not really. No, I am. It's kind of more of like, it's kind of how I feel for the Warriors. You kind of just feel like they've been down for so long. Like, you know, you just want to want to see them succeed. Just want to see them get up there and do something mm-hmm. finally. And I think they have finally, because I was always like thought that they just needed a good hooker with good service. Like there was nothing wrong with Jeremy Marshall King, but he was still a rung below some of the best. And I don't know mm-hmm. if Reem Mahoney even an upgrade, but he can pass the ball. So, you yeah. Know. That's kind of what you do at the position, I think. Not sure. Mate, so, we've, we've, Ryan, we've worked out what Austin's uh, shtick is for the his podcast personality is he spoils things for the podcast. Goes too early, Austin. That's his nickname. Uh-oh. So, uh, but, no, we are going to talk about Reed Marnie. Uh, among other things <laughs> during the podcast, you're going to love that. Um, it's going to be a great one for, for, for all the people for the future. Um, but, uh, <laughs> boys, we'll start it. off. Yeah, well, that's it. Mate. There's nothing wrong with being efficient. Uh, <laughs> starting at the start again, Ryan, Jake Avarillo. Um, mm. I did uh, an analysis on Jake Avarillo, which has been met with a little bit of apprehension, concern, not really feeling so optimistic about him. What are your thoughts on Jake Avarillo? Um, a little bit the same. Like I, I projected him for the low 30s, so I, I, I definitely see some value there, but not enough for me to consider jumping in. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit surprised when you came out with that. He was a solid buy, especially when you initially projected him in the low 30s as well. So, obviously, uh, you changed your tune a little bit on him, expecting maybe an improved Bulldogs attack this year. Yeah, well, I mean, that's basically the gist of the article, which is, you know, just having a look at Avarillo. So the the area of concern that a lot of people had with Avarillo is in his nine fullback performances, he had five tries, but only averaged 29, uh, which is a concern, absolutely. Um, he starts at a price of 25, um, so there already is a little bit of value there as a starting point. But one of the important things to keep in mind is, is the average ladder position of those opponents. So the average ladder position was about five and a half across those nine games of the teams that he played against. So six of those nine games were against top four sides, if you believe if you believe that. So, yeah, and then a, one against the Rabbitohs who were in seventh last year, but were probably the fifth best team 
I'd say. So, yeah, definitely tough opposition. We find that usually speaking, uh, better teams can kick to corners and restrict running out of the back because, I mean, Avarillo is somebody who can break a tackle and score a try. And, I mean, he always seems to look better than maybe what his fantasy scores dictate. I remember Byron from OTL, Ryan, was was keen on him for years. Um, and and he was good, and then he wasn't good, and then he was good again. And, I mean, just it feels like coming off 25 with the dual position um, and the favourable early schedule that, that he's somebody that I'm interested in. But, I mean, I know it's a, it's a hard sell because we've seen the, you know, Brad Abbeys of the world. Mm. Um, oh, no. But I mean, he's only need he only needs to be twenty twenty two Dane Laurie to make ten points of value, and that's really the the main contention of my argument. Austin is is you know Dane Laurie is not a particularly good fantasy player, and you know he's a middle of the range fullback in a bad team last year and managed to average thirty five. So, I mean, is there any reason he can't do it? I guess is what I'm what I'm saying. Nah, not really. I think this is a pretty safe one to be honest. Like. He's priced very low, and it's like, yeah, I just tend to agree with you. Even most of his tries, he had a big um, run of tries there, but even then, they were just kind of like little eight-pointers where he kind of went through and just finished off someone else's handiwork. But I like Jake Avarillo. He's got, like, he's a very strong runner of the ball. He just strikes me as a very fantasy-friendly player. And even like you said, he's just got to be a Dane Laurie type to get us through this. The, the big concern I have is um, with a cash cow like this, right? Like, you know, it's all well and good to project a, you know, a 30, a high, mid to high 30s average for a season. Um, but for a guy like this, you want him making his cash over, you know, about a six-week span. And, you know, like I see, you know, if you look at that last, say, five weeks there, you know, you've got a seven in 80 minutes, you've got a 12 in 80 minutes. Like if you cop two of those over the case over the course of four weeks, you know, you're, you're looking at another Lachlan Ilias type. Like, you, you, your price rises just stagnate and you're just waiting for that, you know, two try 56 to come back and um, bounce his prices. Like, I think that's, I think, one of the bigger concerns. Um, if you're projecting him over the course of a season, maybe it's a little bit less of a concern. But to know that he's got that flaw in his game, um, I think, is a little bit concerning. I guess the big thing for me is if he's only wing fullback, I probably wouldn't be looking at him as closely. Um, mm. The center duel is a big thing for me, uh, being that, you know, I'm strongly considering like a Hamaso Avarillo center pairing. Um, you know, cheap, potential high, you know, high ceiling plates. Um, yes, really low single digit floors. But I mean, you know, the the money then allows you, you know, particularly like, you know, at the moment, my back five has Hamaso, Avarillo, Tamari Martin and Nickel Gluckstar in there. So I'm able to spend a lot of money in my forwards and in the halves where I think there's some really, really good options that are expensive. And, I mean, you look at the wing fullback and centre position, particularly the centre position where, um, you know, even the good options can score poorly. I mean, there's really only one top-tier, super-safe centre option this year, but he's expensive as shit. So, And that's Jack Bird. But, I mean, outside of him... Everyone else is, you know, way overpriced, you know, your guns. And then all the cheapies, you know, there's there's not a huge amount getting around there outside of, you know, whichever one of Alamotti and Skelton wins a job. And, you know, if Smith Shields wins a job, I might change my tune. But outside of that, there's, you know, the next best option might be 
Matt Figai or, you know, Isaac Thompson at the Rabbitohs who might lose his job after two weeks, you know, or you got Avrilo, which is basically locked into the fullback job for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my that's my contention. I'm certainly not going to jam him down anyone's throat. Uh, I completely understand <coughs> if people aren't interested. He's at 21%, so obviously a lot of people do feel the same way that I do. Um, it seems to me to be a low-risk, high-reward play more than anything at the price is, is probably more what I'm getting at. So, uh, yeah, I, if anyone's got any other – no, no other, I think that's sort of covered covered him pretty well. The three of the other four backline guys being Karaz, Burns, and Addo Carr, not super fantasy relevant, but that other centre position with the departure of Shop um, sees Paul Alamotti or Jarrell Skelton get the opportunity. Uh, Austin, have you seen either of, the, either of these guys sort of play or, no, or know a lot about them? No, I don't know a lot about them. I know that Paul is a big body, which is always good for a centre. So that's about it. But I know they're also basement price, and if they're basement price and they're starting, just chuck them in. Yeah, so I think it looks like Jarrell Skelton used to be a uh, Rugby Sevens player. Um, oh, another Lockie Miller. Yeah, yeah. He looks pretty big as well. So I think it's kind of a win-win here. 105 kilos and 190 centimetres at 23 years old for Skelton. So um, that's a that's a big body as well. So I think whichever one of them gets a job, we'll just uh, we'll just jump on the wagon and, and pray. And and yeah, wow, Alamotti's only eighteen. He's a monster. Yeah. So I mean, obviously that's going to be a, an interesting one to keep an eye on, and probably the number one cash cow I would suggest um, in terms of that that cheapy range. Moving into the halves, Kyle Flanagan may get a little bit of challenge here, Ryan. Uh, from the uh, – there was a guy who played at the World Cup for one of the smaller nations, but also Josh Reynolds as well. Do we think mm. it's going to be Kyle Flanagan in round one or do we think that they might sort of mix it up a little bit? I, I'd lean to say that we get Flanagan in round one um, just because, you know, that they have, do have that established combination. Obviously, with a new coach, you can't really say anything for certain. You can't always get a few curveballs thrown at you, but I do tend to believe it will be um, Flanagan for round one, especially since, you know, Reynolds hasn't signed a, a top 30 contract yet. We Obviously, things can change, but... Um, yeah, but that said, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my life on Flanagan's job being safe as houses either. Uh, he's been dropped before. He'll probably be dropped again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they do have Farmanu Brown there, but I think he's more of a hooker-type cover. I think it's going to be Flanagan, but, you know, there there are many opportunities there. But I'm much more interested in, in talking about his halves partner, Matt Burton, expat from your beloved Penrith Panthers, Austin. And... Um, mm-hmm. Mate, I know you're sad about this uh, because you've got minnows such as Stephen Crichton and Isaac Targo in your centres now. Um, and yep. the, uh, you know, some dud called Nathan Cleary as your halfback. Uh, you can't keep all of them, mate. Just calm down. I can see you getting upset. You can't keep all of them. I know you're complaining because, you know, no one wants to play for garbage Ivan Cleary. Um, but <laughs> don't get me started, mate. This is not a Penrith Panthers podcast, and don't bring Ivan Cleary up again. But uh, in all seriousness, Matt Burton last year, you as an avid listener of the podcast and, and previous to being an intern, would have heard us explicitly tell people not to buy Matt Burton in the first eight weeks because the schedule was really hard, where he actually averaged 41. 
Uh, so he averaged 41 in the first eight weeks, um, and then we told everybody to jump on, and he jumped, He went up to 57 in his last 15 matches. Poor uh, CK from the official NRL podcast that got binned, and so he started the unofficial NRL fantasy podcast. Um, he sold Matt Burton after round seven um, and then never got him back all year last year, poor bloke. Um, you know, shout out to, to CK for making probably the biggest error you could have made last year. Uh, but, I mean, Burton comes in this year, settled spine, adding, you know, maybe an upgrade in Reed Marnie, brand new, you know, I, I'm, I'm prepared to say it's comfortably an upgrade to the forward pack, losing Vaughan and Jackson and getting Kikau and Sutton and, you know, a super fit and raring to go Pangai who we'll obviously discuss later. Also, interesting fact about Matt Burton, um, he averaged 55.8 last year when he either won or lost by less than 20 as well. So you have to imagine Matt Burton's going to not be losing many games, if any, by more than 20 this year with an upgraded team. And, um, yeah, I mean, is there any – I mean, I guess the, the the short version of the question that I want to ask you is, is there any reason that he can't actually improve in this side and average over 60? Oh, I mean, other than the fact that it's hard to keep that, you know, that sustained uh, peak run going um, for the longest time, um, that that would be the only real pushback. But I I guess for what he's 718,000 versus like Adam Dewey is 770, so that's 50k less. Um, It's certainly an interesting alternative, even without the center jewel. And he's He's actually 9% owned. Wow. Um, a lot of people on the Burton train, they've read your article, Mark. They're, they're all aboard. <laughs> Mate, everybody aside from you reads my articles. <laughs> I, I bloody read your article, Mark. Yeah, no, I know you did. I know you did. But uh, what, what do you think, Austin? Are you are you on the Burton train with me this year? Uh, after I will admit I kind of just skimmed over him until you brought it up, and then I looked at the article and I just – pretty much tend to agree with everything that you said. And I do have him in there at the moment, but it will be just depending on whether or not I think it's between him and Brimson at the moment, but I'll probably have to go with Burden just because I think you're right. There's a massive amount of upside here when you look at the improved team and just his capabilities. He's got all the, all the like tool tools to be a 60 point half for sure. Oh mate. Well, you only got to look at like, so in his games at, the Panthers, when he played in the halves, he averaged 62.5. But his stats from last year outside of the first eight weeks weren't that far behind that thing, you know. So, you know, there was two points in base. So he made one extra tackle at the Panthers and missed one extra tackle at the Dogs. You know, that's one point swing in a better team. You know, that's three points there. That 57 turns to 60. And then, you know, you get one or two extra points of attack and an extra goal every two weeks, and, and you're at 60-something. You know, a, a marginally improved Bulldogs team could definitely have him averaging 60. You've, we've seen Hines and Cleary both do it in good teams. If the Bulldogs are an even remotely good team, it's absolutely possible that Burton could get at minimum into the 58-59 bracket. But, you know, there is no reason at all he can't be in the 60, 62, 65 bracket. Yeah. So I'm a I'm I'm I've got a big level of excitement for Matt Burton this year. I had Dewey, and then now I don't have Dewey, and I have Burton, and I have more money. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
agree there. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the other member of the spine before we go back through the forward pack, Reed Marnie, who you uh, brought up earlier, Austin. <laughs> you can stay with him. Did you? I did. I did. I only just did this article this morning, and I'm very comfortable in my analysis of him. But what's your thoughts analysis on uh, on Reed Marnie? Well, I had the unpleasant time of grabbing him last year when I thought he would be a value keeper for that buy. And then I just watched him kind of fall off about eight tackles a week. And then sometimes I think maybe his shoulder injury from the year before might have been hampering him because some games he would miss eight or nine tackles and then the next week he wouldn't miss one. Maybe Mm. it was just a... Maybe it was just like a concentration thing because he knew he was going to a different team. But I think, yeah, he's... If he's not playing 80 minutes, then I think it's just safe to say avoid because he's not really – he's more he's more falls into the Andrew McCulloch bracket, just tackles and not a lot of attacking spark. And we don't even know mm. how this Bulldogs team is going to roll around. Uh, I mean, we can have a pretty good idea about the Bulldogs, but I do find it interesting that Reed Marnie's average base stats is higher than what his actual fantasy stats are. Mm. So, Like on those tackles. tackles. Yeah, he's one of the only players that has more demerits and attacking stats. Um, wow, wow. Which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, so his average base across his career um, is 49.9, um, with his average is 51.1. But if you take out PVL ball uh, and just look at 19, 20, and 22, his base is 49.6 and his average is 48.7. <sighs> So, yeah, woof. Woof. Yeah, so average attacking stats, 7.6. Average demerits, 10.3. Oh, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, part of my analysis that I did on Reed Marnie was um, 2018, brand new to the league. I'm not going to hold that against him. PPM 0.57. And then he was 0.66 and 0.68 in 2019, 2020. And 0.6 in 2022, maybe had his mind off the job. Maybe the Eels were attacking more, being a better team and defending less. Um, but 2021, his PPM was 0.8, and he averaged a full 10 points, full 10.5 points higher than his next best season. Uh, yeah, it's PVL ball, though. Yeah. yeah, so PVL ball, essentially what I want to say is the 2021 season for some players you can inc- include and some players you can't. For this player, you cannot include that stats uh, even last year he averaged a 29.6% try scoring rate even though his PPM was the lowest of his career since his rookie year so yeah I, I really don't hold a lot of hope for Reed Marnie um, and Ryan um, I don't know where you have him projected but I actually have him as overpriced and finishing the season cheaper than what he's starting maybe wow okay um Look, I certainly don't have him as a buyer. I projected him in the high 40s, which is only, what, like two points of value. So, look, certainly a don't touch um, because, A, there's not enough value and, B, he's not a keeper. Um, the only real difference I can see from last year, I could see his tackles increasing a little bit. But, I mean, again, if there's a bench utility, it's, he's just a complete avoid. Yeah, well, I mean, the Bulldogs went out and got Farmanu Brown from the Tigers. Mm. So, I mean, that would incline me to think. So, Jeremy Marshall King played 71 minutes a game last year. Reed Marnie played yep. 74, 77 last year, sorry. But previous to that, it was 72, 72, 73. So, 
you know, you have to imagine he's going to be a 70 to 75 minute player, not an 80 minute player. He's going to average 44 to 48 um, and just be a trap for everybody that's jumped on him. So, yeah, strong, hard, massive avoid for him. Um, and I actually is interested. He's in nine point seven percent of teams, which is just too much. Not more, not, more not than great. Burton. Too much. Not <laughs> great. Okay. Now out of the spine, back to the forward pack, which does have some really interesting options in here. So Luke Thompson, Ryan. I know you're part of the way through an article on him at the moment. What have you found in him so far? Well, look. Uh, I think the thing we all know about Thompson is he consistently plays. He's consistently played the same role um, every year he's been in the NRL. When he's played at least 40 minutes um, in a game, he's averaged uh, 56 minutes uh, each season. In 20, uh, 2019, uh, sorry, 2020, 2021 and 2022, he's averaged 56 minutes every year without fail. Um, so he's fairly consistent and I think that's what we've projected him for is that, um, you know, that 55, 56-ish minute role. Yeah. Last year, obviously, he had a pretty rough season um he I, I, found, I was reading an article um about him basically he had uh he broke his toe early in the year he had the flu he had he had the runs as well and then obviously he had that concussion um that saw him you know miss a few weeks and then had to go to, back to england because his mum was in ailing health basically didn't play at all over the back end of the year um so the, the real thing with Thompson is what is his PPM going to be like? Um, because it has been a little bit up and down depending on the year and depending on the role. Um, when he first came into the NRL in, in 2020, um, his PPM was okay. It was about 0.8. Um, in the PVL ball year, it jumped up to closer to one. And then last year um, when he was carrying all those injuries, it was back down to 0.8. So... It's, it's a little bit tough, um, I think, to know exactly where he's going to be. If you want to take that point eight, I, I don't think he's a buy. If you want to put it somewhere between the PVL ball year and, you know, a, a healthy um, full uh, preseason to, to get ready, which is sort of where I lean, um, I think it's he could tickle 50 here. Um, it, it's a bit of, he's a bit awkwardly priced because he is, you know, more expensive than Pangai and, and um, some other guys in this forward pack uh, that we're going to talk about um, as well as some guys we've spoken about on previous episodes. So, yeah, I'm a little bit torn over where I'd put him at the moment. I, I think I'd put him in the caution. I definitely think there is some value there, but maybe not enough in comparison to guys in a similar price bracket. Yeah, I think if you're choosing between him and, say, a guy like Corey Horsburgh, I think is maybe one of the ones you're alluding to. I think yeah, for, that's who was escaping it's, me. It's really hard to justify spending another $22,000 for maybe worse mm. production. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I like it. I think he's going to be a very high 40s average player and starting at 42 is probably not quite there. But if you wanted to take a risk, and I mean, if he if he nudges that high 50s minutes, completely different prospect. So interesting yeah. one. But, you know, there's a couple of guys here who are probably looking to take some minutes off him. Um, one of which is another guy that you did an article on, Ryan, in Ryan Sutton. Um, but before I let you... Sort of give us what you found there, Austin. Did you have you had a chance to have a look at Ryan Sutton? Is he someone who's been in your team? Uh, not really. 
I haven't really have a not very interested in Ryan Sutton because I think Jared Wallace at less, which we can talk about later, obviously. He's like 70k less and they're probably the same output, and I'm not sure if Ryan Sutton's gonna be I just get this feeling that there might be a bit too many minutes going around for these big boys in here. So no, I haven't looked yeah. at him properly. Okay. Because I I mean I've got him down for fifty five minutes, Ryan. I don't know what your thoughts were on Sutton. Yeah, well, look, I've, I've projected him for the same because basically we know who Ryan Sutton is. Like he's basically been the same player over the course of his entire career so far. Um, you know, he's just a base stat accumulator. His PPM is approximately 0.83, um, give or take, you know, a, a decimal um basically every single season. So I think you are wanting 55 minutes to, to get to that 10 points of value. Uh, it, it's This Bulldogs pack, I think, is just a little bit tough to project at the moment just because there is that wild card in Cameron Seraldo. We don't know exactly how all these forwards are going to fit together. If what we've um, projected plays out, then I, I think he is a buy and he does have about 10, 10 to 11 points of value there. But um, I think he's going to be one of those ones where you're just going to need to see more throughout the preseason and see a couple of trial games and see how we think they're going to use them. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, in addition to those two, we've also got Max King, who was a breakout last year, plays a lot of minutes. Um, they've brought in uh, ex-Panther Billy Army Kikau, who's probably going to play 70 to 80 minutes a week. Um, I can hear Austin softly sobbing into a handkerchief. <laughs> The, the forgotten man here, boxing legend Tavita Pengai Jr. Also another ex-Panther, mate. <laughs> another ex-Panther. <laughs> Good Premiership winning, premiership winning forward, Tavita Pengai Jr. Um, and I, I, so, boys, I've done a I've done an article on Pengai, and it was surely we are not doing this again. Was the title? <laughs> I think we are. Um, and. The, the immediate after that is you bet your ass we are. So <laughs> uh, I, I sat there with a glass of wine last night looking at Pangai, looking at Josh Jackson gone, Paul Vaughan gone, Kikau and Sutton come in. But I really think that Kikau is taking Corey Waddell's spot in this team as the edgeback rower. And I think Pangai is going to move into the Jackson hybrid edge middle role because, I mean, like if we see – if we see Fatal and Mariner start on the edge in round one TLT, it's just a straight abort mission on Pangai. Mm. Yeah, because I don't know where he gets 60 minutes from. Correct. So, But what I've done is I've looked at Pangai as a 65-minute player as his new fitness regime is going to allow him to do, splitting between the edge and the middle. Um, so the edge 20 to 25 minutes before Fatal and Mariner comes on and then playing 35 to 45 minutes in the middle for 60, 65, 70 minutes in total, depending on injuries and whatever. So I'm not expecting him to play 70 minutes, but I think 60 to 65 is reasonable. If you look at his five performances in 2022 where he played between 50 and 70 minutes, he averaged 61.2 points in 57 minutes. So PPM 1.07, which we are not going to use for our projection. Because that is just, it's ridiculous, but he's absolutely capable of doing it. Um, so what I looked at was his career edge back row starts, 18 matches over the last three seasons, 54.9 average in 76 minutes, PPM 0.72, uh, and then 28 matches in the middle in the last three years, average 45.6 in 47.4 minutes, PPM 0.96. 
So at 65 minutes being 20 to 25 on the edge and 35 to 45 in the middle, depending on how they split it up, um, that ranges him from a 48 floor up to a 57 ceiling. Mm. So what are we looking for pre-round one from Pangai? Pretty simple. We are looking for skinny Pangai in the trials, and we're looking for him to be named on the edge in round one with Raymond Faitala Mariner on the bench. That's the two key indicators. Uh, I mean, we know what he's done. One game last year, he averaged, he offloaded 10 times in 51 minutes. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, it is. Um, the the RFM time, like, uh, bomb affects basically until I fall back, doesn't it? Because you can put a line through Sutton as well, um, even yeah. Thompson. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, that's the thing is if it's an RFM 80-minute kick-out, 70-minute edge, and it's Pangai, Thompson, Sutton, and King all playing in the middle, they cannibalize each other. Mm. I've also got in, you know, in this equation Chris Patola as well, who is probably in this scenario the first change middle forward um, and at 250K also worth a look. So this is the, what we really need from a fantasy perspective is we need this scenario to shake out. Um, Ryan, now, if this all happened, would I convince you to get on the Pangai train? Well, he's been in my team in and out um, through the preseason. So, look, I, I, I do love uh, a bit of pain. And, um, look, Pangai is just fun to watch when he is on the field because he throws a million offloads and there's nothing more fun than seeing an offload just come out of nowhere um, when he's <laughs> wrapped up by about four blokes and all of a sudden his arm pops free. But <laughs> it is it is absolutely just... Uh, Begging for pain, begging for hurt. If you uh, if you jump on, yeah, Austin, you... I'm ready. I'm ready to go ready. In again. This, this will be my be third year again. running. Yeah, yeah. Just just because the edge spot, just because he's got that duel. If he was a mid only, it'd be a bit harder to jump on. But just yeah. given the edge, like last year, just having a look now, um, Isaiah Papali averaged 62, and then the closest to him was Angus Crichton at 53. So if Pangai yeah. averages 50 to 51, I think you can live with that on the edge. Yeah, like in uh, he's definitely more in the he's definitely more in the Papali'i mold than anything else, though. Really, isn't he? Yeah, he just needs to have. Uh, we just keep waiting for this one season where he just gets it keep all together waiting. and puts it all together. Basically, yeah, waiting on the world to change. Um, yeah, it is important. I want to uh, just in case because I know you guys don't like reading, or some of you don't like reading. So I'm gonna put right. I'm gonna read my disclaimer out to you that I've put in my article. Just so we're very clear about the position that we have on Bangai here. It says, under no circumstances, in capital letters, is this advice to buy Tavita Pangai Jr. We are here to provide analysis and what we deem to be likely outcomes. If TPJ is named in the middle with RFM on the edge, this is a hard abort. And even if all goes to plan, there is a very real chance he will not be in the same role all year round based on history. If you want to ride the lightning, you do so with our blessing. But with us taking precisely zero of the responsibility if it goes sideways and all of the credit if it goes to plan. (laughs) That's what we do best. (laughs) That is the disclaimer. We will victory lap Pangai till the cows come home if he averages 55 to 60 this year. And if he averages 35 and looks like a bucket of KFC chicken nuggets... (laughs) We're going to say, we told you so. That's what's, gonna, that's what's happening. 
<laughs> we, we cannot lose in this scenario. We've given you the option. It's up to you what you do with it from here. We take no responsibility. Uh, I think that's probably a good a good place to finish. They've also signed um, Franklin Pele as well. Um, in this scenario, Patolo is the better of the two, I think. Um, but, yeah, Pele's there. I'd like to see a Pele, Patolo, Fatala, Mariner bench. That's what I want to see for our fantasy prospects. Yep. yep. That would be best. Any closing thoughts, boys? It's uh, Doggy's top eight. Yeah. Yep. Shout out to <laughs> Bronson Sherry coming in 2024. Oh, no, he's playing Lock. He'll be playing Lock. He's playing Brock. Or who's losing their job there? Oh, it's probably Braden Burns. Uh, he's injured mm. most of the time anyway. Good old Hammies. Yeah. I miss Braden Burns. I wish he was fantasy relevant. He's fun to own. I don't. For the, for, for the four games, yeah, for the four games you have him, he, he, he is good. Yeah, I will admit. We were geniuses when we bought him a couple of years ago before he got injured. Yeah, I think it was twelve weeks. Twelve weeks, and every yeah. four weeks they said he was close, and then he got a setback. Yeah. yeah, never again. Yeah, that was like I remember. This is a little bit off track, but I remember uh, in the NFL, Ryan Joe Mixon was day to day with his foot injury for like nine months. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it felt like, didn't it? Like three years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's day-to-day. We don't know if he's fit, like, missed the entire season. Yeah, yeah, so, no, big big concerns. Bulldogs, very high ceiling. Lots of potential options here. Way longer podcast than, than some of the other ones because there is a, a lot to think about. I currently have four Bulldog, Bulldogs on my team, which is a problem, um, but they also don't have a buy until the round 13 buy. So... Yeah, if you are going to load up on a team, actually five Bulldogs. I've got Patolo sitting oh, down in my emergencies yeah. too. So yep. um, if you're going to load up on the a team, the Doggies are not a bad team to do it. Doggies. Doggies. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate you listening into our dribble at the last couple of minutes of our podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you for the next episodes, which should be the Cronulla Sharks. Love you guys.